Come together. Come together. Well, what a crazy world we live in. Isn't it, really, when you think about it? I don't know, have you ever noticed that no matter how hard you try and build things in life and with your life and for your life, it's like this world has a tendency to scatter it again? Or is it just me? But, you know, you try and build it. You try and build your finances and, and you don't have any trouble spending them. Uh, sometimes in spite of our best efforts in relationships, we try really hard, but they, they break down at some point sometimes. And it can be really, really devastating, really, really disappointing. It just seems to be something about life, which I'm going to look at a little bit tonight. And, and I think that life is just full of paradoxes. And I'm not sure I used that word correctly. I looked up the real meaning of it and it's like, I think it means something a little bit different to how I use it. But because it's sort of a literal, uh, a literary term. Uh, and and it, it's like a statement or, or something that's said that at first appears really silly or contradictory. But when you really look into it, there's an element of truth in it that's undeniable. So it looks crazy, but actually, it's true. It looks the opposite of truth, but actually you realize, actually it's the opposite of what I know to be true, but, but there's still some validity to it. It's a paradox. And I think that there's paradoxes in life. It's maybe contradictions is a better word. I'm not sure. It's like I said this morning, we earn more money than we ever have. And yet this generation call, call, carries more debt than any generation ever has. But we earn more money than we ever had in an average sense. Um, access we have to more professional relationship advice than any time in history. And yet, without doubt, we're a very socially and relationally fractured generation. You look at technology and connection. I mean, that is a bit of a paradox going there because we've got so much to assist us with connecting, but for the most part, we are feeling separated through anxieties and feeling the burn of our own insecurities more than ever, if we're really, really honest. As a matter of fact, research increasingly points to social media achieving the opposite of what it promises. Research has shown that people who use multiple social media platforms report more symptoms of anxiety and depression. Longer or more frequent use of social media also appears to predict depressive symptoms. And this is just crazy considering why do we have social media? It's in this attempt to be able to connect with people and bring more people into our world so that we're happier. I thought that was the point. Now, it's not all bad. So just wait, it's not all bad news. Interestingly, when you plug into social media to strengthen existing relationships, your mental health outcomes will be very different than when you scroll through social media out of desperation or loneliness. So no surprises there, is there? But it's paradoxical. Thank you, Keely. <laughs> it's paradoxical that we have this to assist us and yet it actually works against us if we're not really careful. And, and I'm so glad God works with the paradoxical. He can work with that. He can work through it uh, in spite of what might be going on. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it's been our verse for the whole day. And it says, having made known to us, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about, about basically God's will, what God really wants to happen. 
And it says, having made known to us the mystery of his will. In other words, God's will is no mystery any longer. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. In other words, when God thought about what he really, really, really wanted, this is what made him happy. That in the dispensation, big word, of the fullness of the times. In other words, throughout all of history, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. The whole will of God that has been revealed is that he is happy to spend all of time bringing everything that's ever been scattered back together according to his purpose. And that's what pleases him more than anything is when things actually come together for people and in his creation. Here it says uh, on heaven and earth. So it's, it's not just about us as individuals, but it is to do with his original created order, everything as it was meant to be, heaven kissing earth. The presence, power, life of God dwelling and bleeding through to humanity unrestricted. That was always God's intention. And now Paul is saying that's what God's up to in Jesus. He's going to make it all happen again. But I don't know if you think about it, if this is all about, and even being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, if it's all about it all coming back together and being healed and being made whole again, um, well, then you've got a paradox right there. Why does it so often feel like it's still scattering? Or is it only me? No matter how hard you try and get it together, it can slip through your fingers. I mean, have you ever felt like a fish swing, swimming upstream? I mean, if God's bringing everything together, everything back to the centre, which is Christ, have you ever felt like you're swimming in the wrong direction? I reckon we all have. We've all had that sense of, man, I just seem to be heading the wrong way. It's like everything that's good is going back past me. Like life is a, a centrifuge, you know, that's spinning. And if you're at the center, it's like you're spinning and you're trying to hold on to the things that are dear, but they just get pulled to the outside. I think it's the second law of thermodynamics applied to the human race. Who wants to, who can quote that? Surely we all can. Second law of thermodynamics states that isolated systems spontaneously evolve towards thermodynamic equilibrium, the state with maximum entropy. And that word entropy literally means a gradual decline into disorder. So basically what the second law of thermodynamics talks about is that without external assistance, all natural systems, everything in the natural world only heads one way. And it, it happens with energy. For example, heat flows towards a cold object. It doesn't flow back the other way. All physical objects are breaking down. For example, metal rusts. It's headed into entropy. It is slowly disintegrating, scattering, falling apart. Second law of thermodynamics and everything in the natural world is subject to that. So if you don't paint the metal, it will rust away to nothing. 
You have to be something external. If you leave it to itself in a paddock, that's where it ends up. You have to be practice external intervention to keep that in a good state. And I think our lives can be a little bit the same. Without external intervention, dissipation occurs, a scattering. And this is because of sin. Now, before you close off and go, oh, here we go, I want you to listen to me because I've stressed this point a few times this year or late last year. You know, when we talk about that ugly little word, um, our understanding of it or the way that we frame it in our imagination is not necessarily the way that it's framed in Scripture. We tend to take it as an anti-moral kind of a thing. Sin is doing the opposite of what is good and right. And that is not necessarily how Scripture frames it. The Greek word harmatia frames it as simply missing the goal or missing a target, missing your aiming point. It, it's, it's not necessarily a moralistic thing. And that's attached right back to the garden to God's original intention for man, which was not to be a well-behaved puppet. But created in the image of God, we were given an original vocation and our original vocation was to reflect the goodness of God to his creation as we exercised dominion over it, not raping the planet the way that we see it, over, you know, over all of human history, but actually tending the garden, looking after the planet, looking after other people, reflecting the goodness of God to everything. That's our original vocation. And when we don't do that, it's sin. It's not so much that, well, I told a lie. It's just that when we do not reflect who God would be, we miss the mark that he has set. And when we miss the mark, something else suffers. And so do we. And this brings us to the real problem with sin because if our original mandate, our original vocation is authority to exercise dominion and represent God to creation, we're given authority to exercise dominion over all the earth. The real problem with sin is not bad behaviour, but authority misplaced. Because when you abdicate, when you sort of go, you know what, I don't feel like hitting the mark today. Or or, or we throw off restraint and we basically go, you know what, God, you might have had that job description for me, but I'd rather live my own life. Here's the problem. We think we can do that. And we think that authority that's resting on our life to exercise dominion just hits the ground and no one picks it up. But here's what the Bible tells us happens. Whatever we abdicated our authority to now has the authority. So Jaden, could you come here for a minute, mate? Keep your hat on just in case I've got nits. Although I don't generally because they don't find it easy to survive on this head. Okay. So here's Jaden. Okay. Now I'm deciding to do drugs. It's my choice and I don't care about this job description God's got for me. So I'm going to do drugs. 
You can have that. Drugs. Who knows that it's not long, sorry. Who knows that it's not long before I'm not doing drugs. Drugs are doing me. Thanks, Jaden. You can sit down. It's not long before I'm not doing drugs. They're doing me. Why? Because I abdicated my authority. I gave that thing authority. And so whenever we move outside of that created order, whenever I refuse to live as I was created to, something that shouldn't have power over me has power. We don't realise it, but we unwittingly create a power vacuum over our life that is filled by something. This is how pornography works. Can we be that honest and just talk about it? Can we? Tonight? You know, I've seen people on the internet, I've seen young guys particularly bragging about the use of porn and I look at it and I think, you're not kidding anyone. You're trying to convince yourself that this isn't destroying you from the inside out. You're trying to convince yourself that, but you are not. Well, maybe they are fooling some people that are maybe a, a little bit easy to fool. But it's like, no, no, you're giving that thing power. It's not so much that, oh, what, what a dirty sin, that moral, bad moral behaviour. No, no, this is about authority. This is about so much more. See, this is why Jesus came and died. He didn't come and die to make you a good person. He came to, and, and gave his life to make you a new person. There's a huge difference. And if we just make the gospel some sort of moral response and God always slapping us on the wrist, then all we ever see of God is an angry God who's out to punish people who do the wrong thing. And that's often how the church has portrayed God rather than a heavenly father that knows the authority that he's rested on our life and chases us pleading that we would use it correctly so that we wouldn't come under the power of things that will destroy us. Does that make sense? That's the real problem with sin. Relational heartbreaks. Have you ever noticed that when people get their hearts broken in a relationship that it didn't start that way? I don't think anyone gets into a relationship going, you know what, I just really feel like getting a broken heart this month. You know, 2020 is the year for me to be shattered and I can't wait. No one starts there. That's not where it starts. Often it's simply because you got in too deep, too fast with the wrong person. Then you pay the price emotionally over and over Again, because you prematurely gave power to someone who didn't have your best interests at heart. And often this is the pull that we feel. If God is trying to bring it all back together, but we're struggling to keep it together because as soon as we can build it, and as soon as we get to a place where we feel better and like things are coming together, it's like it's fallen through my fingers again. And it's often because we're giving our authority away unwittingly. So really quickly, I want to talk to you about getting it together. Really, really quickly. And this will be quick. Like first, do you want life to come together? I mean, that's God's plan for you. Here's three things you can become that will help you. First one is decisive. Decisive, become 
decisive, become. Well, in one sense, you are a decision maker. I guess what I'm saying is decide the right way. Decide the right way. The fact is, we all hit these T-junctions in life. And sometimes, it's every day, sometimes it's 10 times a day, we hit a T-junction and it's that place in life where roads intersect and it's decision time. (laughs) And it's common to all of us. Have you ever witnessed someone, maybe you've witnessed a friend, maybe crashing and burning in life and, and when you think about it, you can reflect back and you can remember the point of decision where their life began to slide. We've all seen that, where it's like, you know what, I know who they were, I know who they are now, and I, I remember the point. And we all have those points in our life. That is common to every one of us. Decisions can bring you back too, though. That's the good news. Decisions can bring you back. You went down there, albeit with some scars. Who's noticed that? Even when you make the good decisions, it doesn't mean the scars are gone because you've learned some tough lessons. Acts chapter 24, Paul says this, I I myself always strive to have a conscience without offence towards God and man. You want to talk about decisions and being decisive? Your conscience is your best friend. It's, it's your parachute from all kinds of bad. And that's why, I guess, even in our life groups, we encourage our life groups every now and then to talk about where our heart's at. Because it's so easy to just do life and go 100 miles an hour and not stop to take stock of, of where you're at. And you can find yourself in the middle of left field when you stop and look around and think, how did I get here? Who's ever thought that? I was building at one point and now it's all scattered and I'm in the middle of the paddock by myself. And so we encourage you, stop and let your conscience be the guide. Another place in, in Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he talks about certain people who've seared their conscience with a hot iron. And the whole thought is like if your conscience is soft and like a sponge, but you get a hot iron and you run it over that sponge, it just turns to plastic, won't absorb anything. And some people's consciences are like that. If you just keep going against your conscience, against your conscience, against your conscience, you will eventually sear it and you won't be able to feel a thing. You'll no longer know right from wrong. So can I encourage you, man, if you want it to start heading in the right direction, if you're sick of it scattering as you gather, then the first thing you can do is, is start, determine, I'm going to become decisive. I'm going to let my conscience be my best friend. I'm going to start making some great decisions. When I hit the T-junctions of life, when I hit the T-junctions of making a decision that's going to affect me one way or the other, I'm going to let my conscience, I'm going to let it speak to me and I'm going to go with what's going to Keep the authority where it needs to be on my life. Thank you very much. I'm not going to give it away. But to make good decisions, you have to be informed. True? So the second thought is, you ready? You have to be informed. You can become informed. I mean, we've all got our news feed, but look, let's be honest. 
listening to mass media is like uh, playing Russian roulette with the truth. Can I just get you to hold off, Janelle, just for like three minutes because I think the song rang is late. I'm just joking. Thanks, Janelle. Why don't we all give it up for Janelle? She's such a sweet lady. <laughs> Very embarrassed right now. Um, what about truth? What about a news feed in matters deeper than social si- the social scene and who's throwing their weight around politically? What about a news feed that is more accurate? Because you can be really well read and still losing the battle of getting it together. You know, I've given examples. All the examples I've given are people who are searching for more but ending up with less. So you can be really informed and you can be really connected in all the wrong kind of ways and you end up actually with less, less finance, less self-respect, less friendships. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 6. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. In other words, this, this natural world hasn't got a lot for us. But God's spirit has. And Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And honestly, that's why we always keep talking about journaling until people feel like you've shoved it down my throat enough. But can I tell you that hearing from God for yourself, nothing replaces it when it comes to empowering your life, bringing authority onto your life, helping you be decisive, helping your conscience rule and lead the way, making great decisions that actually reverse the effect of the big scattering and you can actually begin to build your life the way that God wants you to. So can I encourage you, if you're not doing that, if you're not a self-feeder, because that's what journaling is, it's it's learning to feed yourself so you don't need to be spoon-fed at church. Learning to, 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 to feed yourself. If, if you haven't got that habit, can I encourage you, make 2020 the year where you get that habit and really, really make it happen. And the third thing is you have to be empowered. You have to become empowered. Become decisive, become informed. Let your decisions be informed by the word of God and then become empowered. And I just want to suggest to you, as I already have, that the pressure you feel, the battle to keep it together at times is not just a natural battle. It's a spiritual battle. It is about the authority that rests on your life and who owns it. It is spiritual in that sense. And, of course, Jesus is our ultimate example of being able to take a tough route and make a tough decision, and it brought life to many. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, this observation of Jesus' life is he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And and what that meant, you know, I'd say, well, I don't know where there's a wilderness near here too close, but... All it meant was he got away from the crowd, he got away from everyone else, and he just spent some time with God. And if you look at his life and the decisions he made and the way he kept the momentum going forward, all the way to the toughest decision he had to make to lay his life down for each one of us, it was empowered by prayer. 
It was informed by the word of God. He knew who he was. He knew he was headed. He knew what his mission was. He was making decisions based on that, but it was empowered because he developed a relationship of dependency on God. Do you want to pull your life together? Are you sick of it being scattered? Are you sick of giving authority away and then paying the price for it? Well, if you are, you can become decisive. You can be informed by the word of God and you can be empowered because of a personal relationship with your creator. Here's some questions I want to ask you. And I guess for us to ask ourselves, the first one's got to be, do I want life (laughs) to come together? I mean, am I tired of it being scattered Or am I content to live aimlessly from one situation to the next? Because I think that's the option. I'll just see where life carries me and hopefully next week will be better. Or we actually take our life in hand and go, you know what? I'm going to become decisive about this. If decisions got me where I am today, then decisions are going to be get me where I need to be next. And if I want to be in a better place, I've simply got to make better decisions. Do I recognise the decision moments of life? Do I recognise them? Because I think sometimes that's the problem. We don't realise we're in a critical moment. You know, what? Well, it's, it's like driving your car in, in an intersection and just blasting through a controlled intersection or a, a, a stoplight. I don't know whether you've ever done that and realised, I think that red, that light, I'm not sure whether it was red or green. Jaden has. Jaden has. But I think it's a great question to ask yourself, am I aware, am I self-aware when I'm at the point of decision? Because that's where I need to be able to say, I've, I've got to choose now very carefully what I do next. Third question, what was the last thing you believe God spoke to your heart? And did you write it down? Because that's all journaling is. What was the last thing God spoke to your heart? Did you write it down? And, and, you know, as you read your Bible and you write that down, you're becoming informed. You're starting to understand what the Creator's got for you and, uh, and you're well positioned to pull things back together no matter how scattered they've become. Last question is, do I spend any time developing my dependency on God or am I happy to fly solo? And, and I mean, this is the amazing thing. It's okay for you to do that. I mean, that is your choice. Everything that I'm talking about tonight is an invitation. Everything's an invitation. It's your choice what you do with that. And so what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to develop dependency, spend some time with God, talking to God? Or, or is it like, you know, no, I'm happy to fly solo. Got no time, got no place for that. Because I believe God wants to help you. Get it together. And you can do that by cooperating with your conscience, by knowing what God has to say about things and a sense of dependence on him. All of those things will help move you towards that goal. So who wants to get it together? Come on, it's 2020. It's a, don't you think it's about time? You know, like, let's, let's just make a fresh commitment to getting it together just a bit. Just a bit. I mean, I love the fact that God doesn't measure us day to day, you know. 
Like if, if you thought God was watching your every move day to day, you'd be like that. And you'd be like that emotionally too. But God looks at the seasons of our lives. I think God would be happy to see you move up a peg in 2020. I think he'd be happy with that. That's good. Just move in the right direction. So let's commit ourselves to that. Why don't we stand together tonight? Thanks, Janelle. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on, who's, uh, who's keen to keep the authority that God's put on their life? That spiritual authority that makes things happen for better or for worse. Who's keen to keep that? So let's, let's make that decision tonight. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to decide in good ways. But to decide in good ways, I, I need to keep myself informed. The Word of God needs to be part of my thinking. And again, it's a spiritual thing that, that, that's happening all around us and what we're moving in and living in is spiritual. Whether you believe in God or not, it's spiritual. And, and you, I think, need that connection with your Creator to give you the strength to do it, to make the good calls. So why don't we pray together? Come on, if that's you and you're hungry for that this year, why don't you put a hand in the air? Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you for hearts responding to you tonight. And as we come to you tonight, we are. We're believing for you to pull some things together, some loose threads in our lives. Father, we thank you for your incredible forgiveness, for your love. We thank you, Father, that you pursue us. Your heart pursues us, won't let us go. Sometimes it's flat out annoying if we're honest. But we thank you for it. We thank you that you don't let us go. You pursue us and you pursue us because you love us. So, Father, I, I pray for people right now that are making decisions to become decisive in the right kind of way, making decisions to become informed as they connect with you in your news feed, your, your word. Father, for meeting people that are determined to get aside, get away from the madding crowd and spend time with you and the clarity and the courage that it brings to spend time in prayer with you, Father, that people are hungry for that tonight. I sense it and I thank you for touching them just right now, right where they are. Let the power of your spirit fall upon them. Stir our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And just while our heads are bowed, our, our eyes are closed. You know, you, you might be here and maybe what I've talked about, you haven't sensed that kind of connection with God. But I, I'm willing to believe that some of what I've said actually makes sense to you because you see it. This is, this is our world and how it works. And you've seen yourself in the frame somehow. And, um, and, and you're here tonight and you'd say maybe, Chris, I'm on a journey. I might not have got to that point really of stepping over the line of faith tonight or before tonight, but tonight I'm ready for that. And if that's you, I really want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're going to put a prayer on the screen and we'll all pray together. But just while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, you know, if, that, if that's you, friend, here's an opportunity. Why don't you just take a step towards God? Why don't you open your heart? If you, if you recognize, man, I'm tired of my life getting scattered and messed with, then why not take a step towards Jesus and allow him to bring some order 
to your life. Allow Him to strengthen you to make the kind of decisions that you need to make. Allow Him to speak to your heart so you, you know how to choose well. And come on, friend, if that's you, just while every head's bowed, why don't you just raise a, a hand straight up right where you are and say, Chris, I need Jesus in my life tonight. I need to take that step of faith. Yep, that is fantastic, mate. See your hand down there. That's it. That's awesome. Thank you. Others in this place, just really quickly, not going to hang around too long, but wow, what an important moment in people's lives where, where we really choose. I mean, how am I going to do life and who am I going to do it with? So again, if, if you just know I need Jesus in my life, that's what I want tonight. Friend, just raise a hand real quick. Just before I close, then we're going to all pray together. Fantastic. Awesome. Let's have a look at the screen. Hey, and if you've, um, if you've responded tonight to just what I was talking about, connecting your life with God, this is a really simple way to do it. Make this prayer your own. It just expresses in a very simple way the faith that you're sensing right now. Let's all pray together, church. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Why don't we just encourage people who made that decision tonight? And, uh, and Hannah's going to come in just a moment. And for the rest of us, hey, uh, let's build our lives. Uh, and, and let's... Let's try and cooperate with God so they don't get quite as scattered as what they can sometimes get. Does that make sense? Does that sound cool? Awesome. Thanks.